Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. King's House, how are you today? So wonderful to have you guys here this morning. God bless you. I hope you're having an awesome Labor Day weekend. I hope everyone's off work tomorrow. I hope you get to rest and relax and enjoy it. And for those of you who have to work, just uh, don't be jealous of the ones of us who aren't going to be working. Right? You know, uh, seriously, guys, uh, such an honor and privilege to have you here today. I do feel like God has something he's really put on my heart for us today. Um... Before we dive in, I just, I know we just heard it on the announcements, but home group starts this Wednesday, guys. I am so excited about home groups. Yes, listen, at 1130 today, you are going to receive a link through text. I am making it as simple as it can humanly be. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything. Open your phone, click on that link, and sign up for our home group, guys. We got lots of different home groups happening in homes, groups happening here at the church. We have a discipleship group happening here at the church with my dear friend, Mr. Shonda Nice, going to be leading that up about foundational principles of the word. If you don't, man, I want to be in a home group, but I want to get deeper in the word, then come up here and be a part of Shonda Nice's group. So, let me get this super clear. There is child care. And all God's people said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great news, man. So you can have adult conversations. You can spend time diving into the word together. So there is child care every single Wednesday. I've heard that a lot. What am I supposed to do with my kids? So you can start dropping your kids off at 645. Come up here, drop them off at 645, get to your home group, stay at your home group till 7, I mean 8, 815, and then you, you got to come back and get your kids. Okay, you can't just leave them. And about 8.30, we're going to start setting them on the curb outside, okay? This is not a, an all-night commitment. But yes, guys, uh, relationship, real relationships is one of our core values here. It is so crucial to this church. It's crucial to your development as a believer. I don't know if you even realize that. And uh, I know, like, oh, I don't, what if it's going to be weird at someone's house? What if it's going to be, hey, just jump in there. You need relationships. You know what? I'm really good at things that Blake's awful at. I am. And it's very true. That Blake is great at things that I am terrible at. In practical senses, in spiritual senses, we need each other. So guys, get involved in some home groups. I believe God's going to do some incredible things. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> hey, if you're part of the prayer team this morning, I just want to give you a heads up. We're probably going to need you at the end of the service. So elder or prayer team, stay ready for the end of this service. Guys, we're in part three of this series called Dream Big. And uh, the title of the message this morning is Restore My Soul. Something that's going to be very near and dear to my heart today. I'm going to be very open and honest and transparent with you. As I strive to be every single Sunday, I don't want to give you a bunch of philosophies and big ideas. I want to give you things that I know works on Monday morning. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can sit up here and ramble about all sorts of things, but I want to give you something real relevant that you can apply to your life because you know that we're called to be Christians seven days a week, right? 
Like this isn't just like a Sunday kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I want to be real and open and transparent with you today. But I, I want to start where we left off last week with Ephesians chapter 3. Because I want this verse to come alive inside of each and every one of you, man. This is what God has for us as, as we're on this adventure to dream big and have a God-sized dream. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve, what's that next word? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know what that next word is. Infinitely. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imaginations. Man, that's the God I'm serving this morning. Are you with me, King's House? He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly, constantly energizes you. I want this verse to come alive in your hearts. It's time, it's past time for some of us to start dreaming some big dreams, some God-sized dreams to really, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it as if you serve an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-resourceful God. We need to live and dream like that. I hope some of you did your homework this weekend. Man, I, I, I hope you did. I hope that you got alone with God. I hope that you had your pen and your pad, and I hope that you said, Holy Spirit, put a dream inside my heart. Stir something, awaken something in my heart. As he did that, I, I hope that some of you wrote those things down because when you really start to believe and when you start to see that the incredible, good, hopeful future, dream-filled future that God has for you, it does something in your heart. It begins to awake something called hope. And hope is the first ingredient if you're ever going to have faith. Faith is the things hopes for. Are you with me? Yeah, you can't have faith if you don't have hope. And if you don't have a dream or something bigger than yourself to hope in, then you'll never have that. And God is wanting us as a church body. I so believe, King's House. Listen, I have been praying my little booty off the last 10 days, man. I have been seeking God. I have been fasting. The further I go, the more I realize God wants to do something incredible with this body of believers. It might be time for some of you guys to fast and pray a little. I said, the further I go, the more I, I, I am fully convinced that God wants to do something incredible with this body of believers. There we go. There, there's the king's house I know and love. Here's something we really need to, to understand this morning, church. God does not respond to need. God responds to faith. Think about that for a second. Let that digest for just a second. He doesn't respond to needs. If God responded to need, then there wouldn't be any needs. Because he would just go around responding to them, filling them up, right? God doesn't respond to need. God responds to faith. What God needs us to do is step out in faith so that he can step in and fill those needs, but he's waiting on us to get a God-sized dream, to have that hope, to take those steps of faith and watch him. I believe that need exists because the church needs to step out in faith and allow God to work through us. Are you with me this morning, church? What is it that's stopping us from stepping out in faith? What is it that's hindering us, that's stopping us, holding us back, from dreaming a God-sized dream. That's what I really want to address with you this morning. As you look all through the books of Exodus and Numbers, 
You see the story of the Israelites and how God delivered them from Egypt. And God did incredible miracles to make this happen. I mean, sometimes as I read through these chapters and verses, I almost feel like God was just showing off a little bit. I mean, this guy pulled out all the stops. I mean, from speaking to Moses through a burning bush, except the bush wasn't on fire, to all the plagues, man, water to blood and frogs and locusts, and he even dropped fire balls. I mean, God is showing off. They, he parts the Red Sea. He causes the dew to turn to manna. He, he makes quail just randomly show up. God brought water water out of a rock. I mean, it's just crazy what he did. He leads the, the children of Israel through the wilderness, and they get right to the edge of the promised land. I mean, they are on the, on the cusp of stepping into the fullness of what God has for them. And Moses says, let's choose 12 individuals, and let's send them into the land, and let's let them spy it out a little bit. Let's see what's going on. So for 40 days, 12 guys go into the promised land, and they're spies, and they just look at the land and see what it's like and who's there and what the cities are like and yada, yada, yada. In, in Numbers chapter 13, they've come back, and they're about to give the report of this is what we saw in the promised land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. The cluster of grapes were so big, it took two men to carry them on a stick between their shoulders. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a big grape. <laughs> but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Man, I love the spirit of Caleb. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge <laughs> we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. I just can't help but wonder what was so different about Joshua and Caleb. Out of the 12 spies, out of the millions of individuals that were with the Israelites, only Joshua and Caleb believed the word of God. What was so, I mean, after all that God had done, all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, what was so different? How come Joshua and Caleb could believe in God, could believe the promise of God, while everyone else around them couldn't? I'm just baffled by that. But friends, the reality is today is that the Israelites had been in captivity for 450 years. That's the truth. They had heard all about God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's miraculous power. They had heard all about it for 450 years. But do you know they hadn't seen it? Proverbs 13 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
I believe that's the biggest difference between Joshua and Caleb and everyone else. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. They had waited and hoped and believed and prayed for 450 years. And guess what? After all that, God finally answered. After 450 years, God answered. And he did miracles and he did signs and wonders. I mean, just on top of the other. And he got them right to the edge of the promised land. But these people missed it. I mean, this is just the most crushing story in the word to me, to go through everything that they went through and be on the edge of something so incredible and so miraculous and to miss it. They missed it. After all that waiting and praying and suffering, they missed it. And here's the truth, King's House, and this is something we really need to evaluate in our own hearts and lives today. Are you ready? Take a picture of this slide as it comes up. God can get you out of Egypt. He can. He can change your situation. He can change your circumstance. He can do miracles. He can do all so He's God. He can get you out of Egypt no matter what you're facing today. God can get you out of it. He can change it. He can fix it. But can he get the Egypt out of you? There's a huge difference here. Their situation changed dramatically. God was doing miracles. They were following him. But at every turn, every time they hit the slightest bump in the road, the first words out of their mouth was, well, back in Egypt. Well, I remember, I remember back in Egypt. Moses, you brought us out here to, to die. Thank you so much. Back in Egypt, at least we had food to eat. At least we had a, a place to lay our head. Back in Egypt. And friends, that's what we need to be so careful of. God can change your situation and circumstance, right? Because you can't always control what happens to you, but you can absolutely control what happens in you. And somewhere through this 450 years, hope got deferred, and the Israelites' hearts got sick. And having a sick heart caused them to miss out on the fullness and the promise of what God had for their life. I don't want that for anybody in this room this morning, King's House. Maybe some of you here today have held on and held on and held on and held on. Maybe some of you here today have prayed and sought the Lord and believed for a miracle and believed for a breakthrough and held on to those promises and fought for those words over your life and over your family and those children who aren't serving God. Man, you have prayed and you have fought and you have battled and you've done everything that you you know how to do day after day, month after month, year after year, but those things haven't changed because the sad reality is that God doesn't work in our time frame, right? Your lost son and daughter hasn't come home. Your financial situation hasn't changed. That breakthrough that you fought for and believed for hasn't happened. That dream that you held on to, it just hasn't come to pass and your hope has been deferred, and your heart has become sick. Friends, you want to hear some good news today? I believe that God is going to heal some hearts in this place this morning, man. I believe that God is going to restore some hope in this place this morning. I know a God who can do it. I think this week some of you who, uh, some of you didn't even attempt to do your homework. Don't raise your hands. That would have been me in high school, by the way. And then there's this other group of people who you really tried. You did. You got your pen. You got your pad. You got alone with the Lord. 
but it was almost impossible for you. And you're asking yourself questions like, why is it so hard for me to dream? Why does it feel like my prayers never even make it this far above my head? God, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin. God, I want to have a dream. I want to feel this purpose and this passion and this vision that Pastor Mark talks about. But God, I don't feel that. Why can't I dream? Why can't I see something bigger? And friend, I think I can help you this morning. And I think maybe some of our hearts here today have gotten sick. And I think some of our hope has been deferred. And so I just want to take a minute and just pray before we go on in this service because I just want to be open and honest. And I really feel like God can really do a deep work in our hearts and our lives this morning. Because I think it's safe to say that everybody in this room wants to have a God-sized dream. Can I get a witness on that? Man, and you want to make a difference and you want to live for something bigger than yourself. And if God would just show you some of those things, if you could just see it and feel it a little bit, you would go all in chasing after Jesus, right? Holy Spirit, I just welcome you here today. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would search our hearts. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would do a deep work. Shine your light into those corners of our lives that we've kept hidden. Holy Spirit, investigate our lives, those areas of our heart, those areas of our lives that we've kept off limits, those no-go zones. Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to search our hearts. If there's anything sick inside there, if there's anything in there that needs some healing, anything in there that needs a touch, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come and do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. So I want to tell you a story for just the next few minutes, if that's okay. It's a story about an incredibly handsome, talented, red-headed individual. Me. Just. Um, in 2009, I believe, my daughter Melody was about a year and a half old. And we felt that God was calling us to leave our, our home and leave our ministry and leave our business in Seminole. And God was calling us to take this giant step of faith and uh, move to Missouri to work in a church. Up to this point in my, in my life, ministry had just been so wonderful. It seemed like everything I touched just got blessed and it turned to gold. And we just experienced miracle after miracle. I mean. Eric and I really did live a fairy tale life for the first several years of our marriage. It was just, it was beautiful. And I watched God take a youth group from five or six kids and we were over a hundred and kids are getting saved and baptized and I'm traveling around and I'm, I'm preaching at youth conferences and I'm leading worship. And it's just it's a wonderful time in my life, really some of my, my best years looking back on. I fully anticipated, I never even thought, the thought never even crossed my mind that that wouldn't continue on into the next things God had for me to do. I mean, if God's asking you to do something, then surely he's gonna meet you and provide for you, and, right? I mean, the thought, I was so full of faith. I was so full of dreams and passion. So, I mean, we felt like God said it and we just did it. We moved to Missouri. I didn't have a job. I didn't have much of a plan. I just, I'm gonna go to this church. I'm gonna be the assistant pastor, the youth pastor, the worship pastor. I mean, I'm gonna get busy and God's gonna do incredible things. I mean, just no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I expected the church to be kind of excited when someone's willing to leave everything and come and help and serve, and they weren't. No, no red carpet, no parades, no celebrations. 
lots of insecurities, lots of awkwardness, lots of, that's okay. I mean, that's ministry life. We're going we're gonna to plow on through this. Uh, so like I said, I didn't have a job, and I'm then just taking this monster step of faith, had some money saved up, so we're just, we're going for it, right? Because I believe there's only one way to follow God, and that's wholeheartedly and passionately. If you're going to follow God, you're going to follow God. There's, you're, you're moving forward or you're falling back in my mind. There's nowhere in between. So, uh, yeah, we just jump into ministry. We get busy, and we're going for it, man. And I started applying for jobs. And uh, at first, you know, like you're applying for the jobs you really want. And uh, so, man, I'm shooting for the stars, you know. I mean, I'm walking in the favor and blessings of God. So I'm applying for jobs, and I'm not getting any callbacks. But that's okay because, man, God's moving, and we're full of faith and passion. Let's go. And we're, we're just we're chasing after God. And uh, then like two or three months goes by, you know, like still no job. It's all right, God. You're just testing my faith, and I still believe, and it's, it's all good. But like six or eight months goes by, I don't have a job. Uh, that, those resources are dwindling. So the standards of what you want as a job just starts to drop a little bit. So you start applying for lesser jobs and lesser jobs and lesser jobs. And uh, still no call, still no, no interview, still no... Getting a little disappointed, getting a little disillusioned. God, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. That's okay. I still trust you. And, uh, but I could tell something in my heart and my mind was starting to get a little unhealthy, you know. So, well, surely to goodness, I mean, I was 26, 27 years old. I had been a business owner. I had been successful. I owned homes. I, surely I can get a job at Walmart. Well, I applied at Walmart. I don't get a call back. I go apply again at Walmart. Surely I can be a cart pusher. I mean, that's. I can be a cart pusher at Walmart. I don't, I don't get a call back to be a cart pusher at Walmart. It's getting a little tougher, a little, starting to doubt a little more. Uh, my confidence in God is starting to dwindle. My self-esteem, my confidence in, I mean, it's just, we're snowballing here a little bit. I'm starting to get pretty desperate. Uh, well, I mean, a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do, right? Uh, this was back before the government was just handing out wads of cash. So uh, then I go apply at McDonald's. Surely to goodness I can apply at McDonald's, right? I don't get a call back from McDonald's. Now again, eight months ago, a year prior, I'm traveling the world. I'm preaching. I'm leading worship. I'm making albums. I'm, I'm living the dream, man. And now I'm pl applying at McDonald's. Well, I don't get a call back from McDonald's. I see a, a, a help wanted sign on, a, a, on the door of a Mexican restaurant, dishwasher, help wanted. I apply to be a dishwasher at a Mexican restaurant. I don't get a call back. And that year, I did not get one single call, one single interview, one sing nothing, nothing. I knew something was in my heart was getting sick. I knew that it was, but I lived in a culture where it was not okay to not be okay. I mean, you got to act like you got your stuff together. Okay. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. Can I just say, I'm so thankful that we have a church here that it's okay to not be okay. And I mean, this is life, man. This is hard. 
And sometimes in life you feel like you're killing it and other days in life it feels like life's killing you, right? It's, it's okay to not be okay. Finally, I got an opportunity to, to work on a roofing crew. We'll call that an opportunity, I guess. Uh, I did that for a couple months. Uh, I think the shortest day I worked in those couple months was 14 hours was the shortest day I worked. Uh, there was three dudes on the roof nailing shingles and I was the dude that had to run up the ladder carrying shingles to supply all those dudes, right? I wasn't seeing my family. I was missing church. I wasn't doing ministry. Just thinking like, God, this is really not what you have for me. But I mean, you're doing what you got to do. I went to work one day and I'm, uh, I hadn't been on the job for an hour maybe and I stepped on a nail. Man, I'm pulling a nail out of my foot like this sucks. Uh, Maybe an hour later, I'm carrying this four by eight piece of plywood up the ladder to get it to the roofing guys. When I get on top of that roof, two stories up, this gust of wind catches me. And myself and the piece of plywood, we go sailing off of that two story roof. And, uh, I hit the ground and I just, something in my brain said, you just tuck and roll, baby, just tuck. And, so I did, man, I just rolled up like a little sausage and just rolled all across that yard. And uh, I decided that day, God, this is not what God's called me to do. I'm not called to be a roofer. So uh, shortly after someone approached me and said, he did a bunch of work for a real estate office and took care of their properties and they needed a guy to cut all the yards. So Mark, why don't you be the lawn care guy? Yeah, I'll be the lawn care guy. Uh, problem was I didn't have a lawnmower and I'm allergic to grass. So, but I'm so desperate at this point. Uh, so that's what I did, man. I, my dad let me borrow a lawnmower and uh, every day I would, I would get up and I'd go cut grass and I would come home every afternoon and my entire body would be broke out in hives and whelps and I would be wheezing. I mean, just, I'm absolutely miserable. And, uh, during that time, especially, this little, this little red individual uh, got right here on my shoulder, and all day, every day, he would just whisper to me, man, isn't God good? Mark, aren't you so happy that you stepped out in faith? Isn't this wonderful? Yes. Look, look, look how well things, this is the future and the hope that God promised you, isn't it? And I just couldn't get that little red guy to just, man, it. I knew my heart was getting sick, but I had saved up some money and I'm going on a mission trip to Lebanon, uh, one of my favorite places. I have four of my Lebanese friends here with me this morning. Oh man, I love these guys, yeah. And it was a great couple weeks, it was. And man, we preached and we taught and we worshiped and we did a basketball camp. And I mean, people got saved and it was wonderful, it was beautiful. And I feel like, man, maybe I'm kind of coming out of this funk a little bit. Maybe I'm finally, and I get home from Lebanon. I, I think I've been there for two or three weeks, a long time. And man, I, I'm so jet lagged and I'm so exhausted. And I'm just, just, if you haven't traveled overseas, I just can't tell you what, how miserable it is when you get home. But I get up the next morning, I get my little grass cutting suit on and uh, I go outside and it's time to mow grass. And uh, right as I'm backing out the driveway, the individual who hired me pulls in behind me, says, hey, Mark, man, I hate to tell you this, but I got to let you go. We got to do something different. The, the guy who cut your yards when you were gone just didn't do a good job. And it's just, I'm sorry, man, it's not going to work out. I'll never forget in that moment, literally felt something just kind of just snapped a little bit. And uh, I went back inside. I got my pajamas on and I got on the couch. And that's where I stayed 
for days and weeks and months. Uh, depression got a grip on this dude. I didn't even think depression was real before all this, just to be honest with you. Like, come on, man, get over it. Your life ain't that bad. I don't feel that way today, friends. <laughs> Such a dark, lonely place that I found myself in, just absolutely hopeless. I'm still pastoring. <laughs> and I got to get up every Sunday and go pretend like everything's fine. And I go right back and I get right on the couch and... Uh, just the darkest, loneliest, worst season in my life where I had just got so unhealthy and I had developed this horribly sick heart and I wasn't taking care of myself and I'm stinky and I'm gross and uh, Erica was nice most days. Other days she's like, dude, you better get your ASS off that couch and do something. She's a wonderful Christian woman. She just cusses a little bit. It's okay. I'll never forget one day she is, man, she's, I mean, my hair's a mess. It's greasy. I'm not bathing. This is not the dude she married, understand? I mean, she's griping out my hair one day. You got to do something with yourself, Mark. And we just got a, a pair of uh, uh, dog clippers. I got you, girl. She left the room. I sneak down into the basement. I take them dog clippers on a no guard. <laughs> I come back upstairs. She's like, what did you... I took care of it, sweetheart. This is what you asked for. Uh, just, just in a bad spot, you know. When you're dealing with that much disappointment and failure and it just piles up on uh, over and over and over and you're just in such an unhealthy place. And uh, I, I remember the first day that I realized, or so I thought I realized, how much better off my family would be, how much better off my family would be without me and that I was the one that was hurting them. And if, if you would just get yourself out of the picture, then your, your wife and your kids would be so much better off. Look what you've done, Mark. And just being a terrible husband and just a terrible father. And So I know what it feels like to uh, lay on a couch for weeks at a time and just be bombarded with suicidal thoughts and just battling every day this darkness, like the world would be better without you, bro. So, man, just, and there was no light in this tunnel. I was just in it, just heart sick, just, Erica didn't know what the heck to do. No one did, you know. I knew the right things to do. I'm a preacher. I just couldn't get the, I just couldn't do them. I just couldn't muster that strength to, and one day we're riding in the car. Erica's trying so hard. She's amazing, by the way, guys. I, I can never tell you what that woman stood through and helped me through and there's no one else on planet earth like Erica Hinnon let me tell you uh, she says Mark why don't you just have you been praying about it have you have you talked maybe you should just talk to God about it and in that moment there was this rage I mean rage I screamed at her I don't want to talk to God this is God's fault it's his fault that I'm in this situation. I've wasted so much of my life talking to God. I'm not talking to God anymore. I'm done with God. Throw a few explicits in there, and that was my reaction. And as those words were coming out of my mouth, they horrified me. Oh, man. Something is wrong with me. 
but, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know that my heart had gotten that sick. And uh, so in that moment, guys, I just, I didn't know what else to do. I knew I was in a, a horrible place. Uh, if something didn't change, uh, I, so I just started doing the only thing I knew how to do. I mean, just, God, I need something. I need, and I'm praying and I'm seeking God and it's not working, right? Uh, read and pray was like the answer to everything. It's, it's not working. And God would send people in my life. A good friend of mine named David Fritch, he's going to be here in November, actually. I just can't wait. Man, he would pray for me. He would challenge me. Mark, you got a dream again. God's not done with you, man. God's not. But it just, just words, you know, when you're stuck in that. I'll never forget one day I was in, in my basement going through the motions, trying to get a hold of God. And the Holy Spirit led me to Psalms 23. And when he put that verse on my heart, I thought, really, God? I mean, I know Psalms 23. I memorized it when I was like five years old. But I started reading Psalms 23. Put that up there for me, would you guys? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And when I got to this next phrase, these words literally jumped off of my Bible into my heart. I mean, it was felt like someone just whacked me. I mean, I can't tell you how this phrase gripped me. It just revolutionized me. He restores my soul. And in that moment, I heard a phrase that's so real and alive to me now, and I say it all the time, but this was the first time I heard God whisper to me, and he said, Mark, there's nothing so broken that I can't put back together, man. And there was this hope that came alive in me and this joy that came alive in me. And I know that some of you have been through all sorts of hell. And man, you've held on to dreams and promises and the opposite has happened. And you've been through one storm after another storm after another. You don't even know how to dream anymore. Your heart's so sick and you're broken and your marriage is falling apart and your kids are a mess and your finances. I get it. But I want you to know that he can restore your soul. He can take those broken pieces and he can put them back together, man. I'm telling you, he can. He can heal those broken places in your heart. I just want you to, gosh, it's been nine years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, if a, a lifetime ago, I don't know. It didn't happen overnight. There were some big moments like that along the way. I moved back to Seminole August 1st of 2012. I cried every single day for over a year, every day. I'm looking at Erica, I'm asking her like, babe, it's time to take me somewhere, check me in. I've lost it. But man, the Holy Spirit would just so gently just, Mark, just cry. Just these tears are healing and watering your thirsty soul. Just, okay, God, just, that's what I did for a year, man. Felt like I was crazy. Just cried, just every day, cried. Thanksgiving morning, 2013, I'm sitting at my piano before the kids wake up. I'm worshiping God. I'm just still in that process. I'm, I got to do what I know I, I'm supposed to do. I got to get through this. 
And the presence of God met me at that piano in this unbelievable, life-changing way. And it was as if I saw my life in a movie. But I don't know how long this experience went on, but all of a sudden I was five years old. And I remember this terrible situation that I was in and I heard God say, was I not there and was I not faithful? And then the next event, was I not there and was I not, and just all through my life, all the goodness of God and all the faithfulness of God, man, he just began to bring all the, I haven't been alone for one second of my existence. He's been with me every second, every moment of my life. I've never, he's never gonna leave me. He's never gonna forsake me. He hasn't once, not for a moment. And I bawled, something broke on the inside of me in a good way this time. My piano keys were wet. I mean, I wept on that piano as I just saw the goodness and the faithfulness of God that had been all through my life. Something was healed in my life that morning. I haven't cried one tear out of sadness or sorrow thinking back on those times in my life since 2013. I am living proof of what the mercy of God can do, friends. You're looking at, you're look, look at what the Lord has done. I was suicidal a decade ago. Look what the Lord, today I am so happy. I'm so full of life and passion and dreams and vigor. Man, and hundreds of people have given their hearts to the Lord and it's not because of who I am, my God. That worthless turd on the couch, that's who I am. That's me. Without God, that's me. But I also know who I am with a big Jesus living inside of me too, man. I just want to give you some hope this morning, King's House. I do. I just want to give you some hope. Can I have the elders or the prayer team just come? Man, I, I know we don't do it a lot, but I want to just give you an, an opportunity this morning, an altar call. Come on, prayer team. Don't be bashful. Come on, elders. Let's go. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. some of you would be honest with yourselves you've let disappointments you've let hurts offenses unforgiveness do you know I had to openly address to God how much unforgiveness I held towards him that sounds bizarre I held so much bitterness and unforgiveness towards God this was his fault some of you allowed yourself to get so disillusioned and so hurt. Your heart is sick today, friends. Now God wants to come in and say, I'm going to restore your soul. I'm going to put those broken pieces back together. But you got to give him an opportunity to do that. He can get you out of Egypt. But can he get the Egypt out of you? God wants us to dream again. God wants you to live with a passion and a vigor and a hunger. I believe wholeheartedly that your best days are still out in front of you, man. God has big things, big dreams, big, big. He has those things for you, man. Don't let a sick heart stop you from doing and becoming everything that God's called you to do and become. Will you stand with me this morning, King's House? Oh, my Jesus, I love you today. Holy Spirit, you know every need that's in this room. You know every heart that's sick, every heart that's full of hurt and disappointment and pain. You know every suicidal thought that's happening in this room this morning. God, there are numerous. It's not just a rare occasion. The enemy is trying to steal and kill and destroy what you want to accomplish. 
Holy Spirit, just give us a boldness and a reality today. Time for us to step out in faith and say, Jesus, I know I got a sick heart, but I'm asking you this morning to heal it. God, I know I got some broken things inside this soul, but God, I'm asking you to restore those things. God, give me a dream this morning. Help me to dream again. Help me to dream big, a God-sized dream. Listen, if that's you this morning, I'm asking you to take a step of faith. We're going to play a worship song on the screen. Uh, You guys go ahead and get that started for me. And as this song plays, if you need prayer for a sick heart, if you need prayer for anything, you say, Mark, I'm ready to take a step of faith. I need God to do something in this heart. I'm ready to dream again. If that's you, would you just come as we worship? Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church forward slash giving, or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and you want to visit us, we meet every week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church forward slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you real soon.